Two weeks, two weeks before Christmas, a uh, Sunday school teacher set up a manger scene in her classroom. And the following morning, she asked all the boys and girls, uh, what if Jesus was born today instead of 2,000 years ago? What kind of gifts do you think the baby Jesus would like? If Jesus was born in the manger today and you had a chance to come and visit him, what kind of gifts would you bring? Boys and girls, I want you to think about this. And next Sunday, I want you to bring in some of those presents. Well, all the kids took this assignment very seriously, and the next Sunday, they brought their gifts. And there by the manger, you saw a jar of baby food and a small teddy bear and a toy truck and a pair of tiny mittens and one disposable diaper. Well, the teacher asked the children, each one of the children, to talk about their gifts and why did you pick this? Well, the little girl who'd brought the diaper said, well, I brought this because Jesus was a real baby. Real babies need diapers. She's right. Jesus is not like Superman. You know, here's somebody who only appears to be this regular guy named Clark Kent, but when a disaster occurs, the shirt comes off and we see the truth. He's not like us at all. He's a superhero with superpowers. He was only pretending to be human. But that's not the case with Jesus. He, Jesus, actually became what we are. The one who made the clouds go now got rained on. The one who created the stars would now get hot and sweaty as he worked under that bright Palestinian sun. The one who writes the story now actually steps into the story and becomes one of the characters in his own drama. The Bible puts it like this, and the word became flesh, meaning he's real. But here's the question that I want us to consider today. Has Jesus become real for us? That's why this year in the Christmas season, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit because that's what his ministry is all about, taking the truth about Jesus and making it real to us. Think of it like this. Have you ever been in the presence of someone and just having them there changes everything? I mean, just having them around and now everything about your environment seems different. Just having them there and now you become aware of things that otherwise you might have ignored. You now begin to see things and notice things and, and experience things that you wouldn't have picked up on before. For example, has this ever happened to you? You go to the movies with your friends, and, and, and while you're sitting there in the movie theater, that movie just seems so fun and entertaining. So a couple months later, you decide to watch the movie again, only this time you watch it at home, and this time you invite your mom to watch the movie with you. Oh, mom, I went to this movie. I, I saw it with my friends, and it was a blast. I think you're going to love it, too. Come on, watch it with me. But now with your mother sitting in the room, you begin to notice things that you didn't notice before, like all that bad language. Your mother doesn't say a word. She just sits there, but she doesn't have to say anything. Just having her there in the room, and you feel differently about things. I mean, it changes the way you watch that movie. You now hear yourself saying, sorry, Mom, sorry, I, I didn't know they were using those kind of words. You know, maybe this is a different version of the movie than what I saw in the movie theater. <laughs> And then, then that scene pops up, didn't embarrass you before, but now you feel totally embarrassed. And again, you hear yourself saying, sorry, mom, let me fast forward through this. I forgot about this being in the movie. And all of a sudden, simply because of her presence in the room, how you see things and how you think about things has totally changed. That movie that you thought was so great, now you're beginning to have second thoughts about it. Because of her presence, because of her closeness to you, it has changed how you see things and experience things. So it is with the Holy Spirit when he becomes present in our lives. We begin to become conscious of things that otherwise we might have ignored. 
Now we feel a deep sense of conviction about our sin, whereas before that sin just didn't bother us all that much. Now, with the Holy Spirit in our lives, we hear the name of Jesus. Now it's no longer just this word that kind of goes in one ear and out the other. Now when we hear the name of Jesus, it just grips our hearts. Whereas before the Holy Spirit, we kind of take things lightly, but now with the Holy Spirit here, now we really begin to pay attention to this. Things that before were no big deal to us, now it's become very important to us because we have His presence in our lives. Well, I think we see this truth illustrated in the scripture that I want us to read today. It's Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 45. Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 45. Now, before we read this, before we jump into this, I want to give a little bit of background. In this scripture, we're going to meet three people. Mary, the mother of Jesus, Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, and little John, little John the Baptist himself. And the fascinating thing is this. The Bible says all three of these people are filled with the Holy Spirit. But in all three cases, the main reason why the Holy Spirit is living and working inside of them is not for their benefit. The reason why the Holy Spirit is living and working in their lives is to help each one of them put the spotlight on Jesus and help the people around them see the truth about Jesus too, which is typical of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is like the guy who stands behind the camera for the evening news. Every night you turn on the TV and you see a familiar face. You know the name of that news anchor because you see him. You see her every single night. But what about the person who helps you to see them? What about the identity of the one who's operating the camera? Well, you have no clue who they are because you never see them, but you're not supposed to. The job description for that person operating the camera is to help you focus on someone else, to help you to see the one who's delivering the news. Well, that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself said, John chapter 15, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will testify. He will bear witness of me. That's why we're not surprised when the Bible tells us the only person in all the Bible that was said to be filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb of his mother till the day of his death, John the Baptist the one we're going to read about in this passage of Scripture. John the Baptist had the Holy Spirit working in his life, his entire life. And what do you notice about John? What do you notice about his attitude and his demeanor? Everything about him, this, his testimony was literally this, he must increase, meaning Jesus. He must increase, I must decrease. Meaning, I don't want people focusing upon me. No, every person I meet, everyone that I come in contact, I want to help them see more and more and learn more and more about Jesus. Think about it. If you want to get warm, you've got to stand near the fire. You want to get wet, you've got to jump into the water. You want to be saved, you have to meet Jesus. That's what the work of the Holy Spirit is all about, helping you and helping me to get close to Jesus, and then helping you and helping me to stay close to Jesus so every day we can see him and know him and be totally changed by his love for us. And again, I think we see that truth illustrated in this scripture. One more piece of background. In this scripture, we're going to have an opportunity to listen in on a conversation between two women. One's a senior citizen, the other's a teenager. One's too old to have children, the other's still a virgin, so it's impossible for her to conceive. And yet in this scripture, as we meet these two ladies, they're both expecting, which is totally unexpected. Here's Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. She's now in the sixth month of her pregnancy. And here's Mary, the mother of Jesus. She's now been pregnant for about four or five days. So what is happening here is not normal. 
It's beyond normal. In fact, it's better than normal. And that's why when you listen to these two mothers talking, they're not just talking about babies. No, they're busy talking about the Lord and talking about the miraculous things that he's doing in each one of their lives. Their focus is on him, not themselves. But in this scripture, it's not only a meeting between two mothers. In this scripture, we have a meeting between two babies, two little boys. Jesus and John. Jesus at this point is a tiny embryo, just four or five days old, and John is now six months, which means he's about nine inches long. He weighs about a, about a pound and a half. He's uh, already got fingerprints and footprints. His skin is red and wrinkled and covered with soft hair, and there in the womb, he can already begin to hear, hear those loud noises and make some kind of response to it, and there in the womb, he will occasionally even open up his eyes. But the most amazing thing of all is three months before he's born. Here's John the Baptist, who's going to be the last prophet of the Old Testament. Yet three months before he's even born, he's already making his first prophecy. And it's a prophecy about Jesus. Here is John the Baptist already preaching a sermon about Jesus. He must increase. I must decrease. See, everything about this moment is remarkable. And it's remarkable in so many different ways. And that's why I want us to take a look at it. Follow along with me. Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready. She just had this encounter with the angel, angel Gabriel. And the angel has made Mary aware that the Holy Spirit will come upon you, the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and you will conceive a child. The child shall be called the Son of God. In other words, Mary, what God is about to do in your life is miraculous. And she believes this. But to help confirm her faith, the angel also tells her about her her relative, Elizabeth, the lady that's too old to have children, well, guess what? She's carrying a child now because God is doing something extraordinary for her too. And Mary is eager to see. So that's why we read. And Mary got ready and she hurried. Get that. She hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zachariah's home. Zachariah is the husband of Elizabeth, the father, John the Baptist. She entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Now, think about this journey that Mary's taking. This is remarkable to me because in that day and time, a young lady never went anywhere on her own. She never went anywhere unaccompanied. Oh, yeah, every once in a while, they might step outside the village and go to the well and get some water, but that was it. But here is Mary traveling from the northern part of Israel all the way down to the southern part of Israel, a journey of about three or four days over this hilly terrain that's difficult to walk and dangerous, too, because of all the bandits along the way. And Mary is taking this trip all by herself on this long journey. Where does she stay each night? Does she just sleep underneath the stars? Does she have any money to buy food? I mean, she's taking all kinds of risk. And why? Because she's eager to see Elizabeth and eager to know more and more about God is doing something special and unique here, and I want to know more about it. And it is, this, it is this immense desire to see more and know more. That's the key to giving the Holy Spirit the freedom he needs to really begin to work in your life. See, every Christian has the Holy Spirit. Every believer has God in their heart. But not every believer is given their whole heart to God. So we have the Holy Spirit. But the question is, does the Holy Spirit really have us? And the key to opening up so he can have more and more of your life and more and more of my life is this element of desire. To have the kind of desire that Mary did, this desire to learn, to grow, to see more, to know more, so you can appreciate more and more of what God is doing. It is that kind of hunger. It is that kind of intense desire that man opens the door and gives the Holy Spirit the ability to really move and work in your life and mine. 
So verse 41, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, before she can make any kind of response, the baby within her responds. And the baby leaped in a room. And this is no ordinary leaping. You know, it's not the child kicking and the child turning around that every mother will feel at different points in her pregnancy. No, this little guy is just literally turning somersaults. John is excited because John, even here at six months old, there in the womb, John realizes the Messiah. The Messiah, he hasn't just come to the world. The Messiah has come to our house. He's now here in my home. And here's this little boy just literally jumping up and down for joy. And now, because of the reaction of John, now Elizabeth becomes aware of something that she wouldn't have been aware of otherwise. Now she, she realizes, it's not just my cousin Mary who's come to visit me. My Lord has come to my home. So it says, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and in a loud voice, because she's thrilled, in a loud voice she exclaimed, blessed are you among women. And here's why Mary's blessed, because of the child she's carrying. And blessed is the child you bear. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord, get the emphasis. The emphasis here is not on Mary. The emphasis is upon Jesus. Who am I that I am so favored that my Lord would come to my home in such a real and personal way? And then Elizabeth begins to explain to Mary, how am I aware of this? I have somebody really special in my house today. It says, well, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb. You know, here's the one who's called to be a prophet of God, John the Baptist. And here he is already acting like a prophet, helping Elizabeth to be aware, to, to see and know things about God. When the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Back in the 1980s, down there in Louisville, Kentucky, they were holding an auction because they wanted to raise money for this community project. And Peggy Kennedy wanted to participate. So she brought a scarf, an old, ugly scarf that had a bunch of sweat stains on it. She handed the scarf to a friend of hers who was working the auction that day, and she says, here, use this scarf. Maybe somebody will make a bid on it, and it'll help bring in some money. Well, her friend was just appalled. Peggy, are you, are you kidding? Who's going to want to buy something like this old, ugly scarf, all these sweat stains on it? Who's going to want to buy something like this? And then Peggy pointed to the scarf and said, did you see the autograph? Did you notice the name? Did you notice who this belonged to? And the woman looked down at the scarf and saw the words, Elvis Presley. <laughs> Many years before that, in the 1970s, Elvis had given a concert there in Louisville. And that night as he was singing, he was wearing this scarf around his neck. And in between each song, he'd take the scarf and wipe the sweat off his face. And then just before the concert was over, Elvis took the scarf off, tossed it out in the crowd, and Peggy Kennedy is the one who caught it. So they put the scarf in the auction, and it sold for $700. Old, smelly scarf, $700. Why? Because it belonged to somebody special. As a Christian, I need to realize I belong to somebody really special, Jesus, which means everything about my life has taken on a whole new sense of worth and value. You see, the, the Christmas story isn't just, and the word became flesh. That's just the first part of the story. Yes, it's a remarkable part of the story. Jesus actually became what we are. He came to our world so we could see him and touch him and be touched by him. But now the Holy Spirit wants to take that story one step further. The word that became flesh, God in human flesh, the word Jesus. Now the word wants to live through your flesh and mine. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Now he wants to use your life and mine to be a spotlight so we can help other people see Jesus too. 
See, in the scripture, we have Mary, Elizabeth, John the Baptist, just ordinary folks sitting in a house and having a conversation. But because of the Holy Spirit, this ordinary day wasn't ordinary anymore. It becomes an epic moment in God's story of salvation. Well, so it is with us. Because we belong to Jesus, because we have the Spirit of Christ living and working inside of us, it means everything we say, everything we do, takes on a whole new sense of significance. Whether it's boiling water or mowing the yard or driving to work or signing a check or playing chutes and ladders with your kids or changing a dirty diaper. Now, every one of those moments becomes an opportunity to serve the Lord. Now, every one of those moments becomes an opportunity to show the world around us His Let's pray. God, thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit and how he helps us every day to follow Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for his presence and work in our lives. Thank you for this blessing of knowing that we're never alone. God, I pray that every day your Holy Spirit would help us to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus. And I pray for this in Jesus' name.